All right, we are live. It is Tuesday night, and we have a lot to get to. Um, it is a big week. It was a big weekend for Flames football. Uh, we got Liberty basketball coming up here in a couple of weeks. We're going to spend the second half of this show with all of the all of the basketball insiders. Uh, that is Will Matthews, uh, Nick Kirby, John Manson. They're going to pump us up for basketball season. We'll do a little round table there. Excited about that. Uh, if you guys aren't aware, Nick and Matt are going to be hosting the basketball podcast uh, throughout the basketball season. So our time together is uh, coming to an end in here in about five weeks. It's been a lot of fun for football. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how the show is going to go. The first little half, uh, we have a recorded interview with uh, KD, Kyle DeArmon, and you do not want to miss that uh, unbelievable stuff, unbelievable perspective from somebody who was a player, a student. Uh, he was a student before he was on the team. Um, and then uh, a player, a uh, good wide receiver, and then a uh, coach. He coached uh, several different positions, and uh, this is his first year not being a coach. He's been around Liberty since 2007 and provides wonderful perspective on uh, Saturday's win. Do not want to miss that coming up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that is uh, the rundown for the show. So with that being said, we are going to jump right into it um, and talk with our main guy, Brendan Schlittler, live with 55. Let's hit it. Oh, what's up, Brennan? How we doing? Good, man. It is uh, me and you, mano y mano tonight. Gloves off, no kid gloves. Uh, we're we're going in for we're going in for just a straight man to man talk here tonight. And I have to ask you, just turn it over to you, man. Saturday night, uh, what was that like to add to your college resume? Uh, you know, when you look back on this whole thing one day, um, that one's going to stand out. And how excited are you to have something like that and the experience, uh, you know, with the fans, everything? H how would you just describe that experience? And is it something that uh, you'll carry with you for a while? Yeah, Saturday was a dream. You uh, you go through a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of workouts, early mornings, and a lot of sacrifice for the feeling that Saturday brought for a lot of people. So um, definitely blessed to have it go the way it did. Um, it was just insane. I, I, I told the guys this morning, I don't think I'm really going to understand what happened or how it happened and the significance of it for – you know, time to come, but just trying to continue to soak it in and watch all the videos and stuff. It's just surreal. Uh, so I thought the offensive line dominated, absolutely dominated. We saw the Moses maneuver several times. Uh, JB had all day in the pocket. Um, what was it about that style? Um, you know, or, or just how well were you guys prepared, and did you did you guys actually play well, or is that uh is that just me uh, seeing things? <laughs> well, going into the game, uh, we knew that coach had a great game plan. There's certain weeks throughout the year and throughout my career where you just have a different feeling going into the game, and you kind of you know you have a different feeling, but you kind of want to see how the team reacts and how the game goes before you admit that you have that feeling. Um, but a lot of people knew this was a great game plan going into this game. We kept it simple. It was effective. And we knew, you know, we played to our advantages on a lot of matchups. So 
Um, we were able to give JB a lot of time. He did incredible. Um, super happy for him. And just we see that all the time. Um, we believe in him so much. So uh, to see him do what he did was awesome. Give him the confidence for the rest of the season to, you know, lead us. And, um, yeah, the O-line did play pretty well. Um, anytime you rush for 300 yards, it's uh, it's a good day. So, Yeah, I wanted to get to that. Like, there's so many guys in this program who who don't get the constant nod uh, or the, the, the reps or the plays. And two of those on the screen right there, Noah Frith and Jonathan Bennett, both played huge in the biggest game of the year so far. Uh, they're not guys who are front and center every week. I mean, JB is going back and forth and we all know his story, but Noah also is one of those that's kind of just been lurking for a while. Four receptions, 70 yards, uh, huge receptions. I mean, I mean the, the one at the beginning of the game. Um, so anyways, just talk about how, what is it like for those guys who are just kind of I don't know uh, if in the background is the right term, but, you know, somebody who's not uh, running with the ones all the time or not getting the play count that maybe they think they deserve, but for them to keep working and then to, to, to have that experience on Saturday where they were key contributors in one of the biggest wins in school history, if not actually the biggest. Yeah, those guys are so mentally tough having to deal with situations, and it's different for everyone. Um, I know for some of them, they've been dealing with nagging injuries their whole career, and they just battle and battle and find a way to go out there on Saturdays. And sometimes it's not what they want, sometimes it is. So uh, whether it's injuries or playing time or just all the factors that go in, those guys are mentally tough, and that win is super special for them too because there's so much sacrifice across the board. It's different for everyone. and um, You can't win games without guys like that. You can't have a winning team. You can't have a good culture without guys like that. So um they're the bricks that we build our 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 team around there's no doubt about that so uh talk to me about rushing the field what was your experience like I saw a few photos of you in particular uh looked like you were pretty overjoyed uh what was the was that whole experience like just being down there I I know you've had a lot of like post-game celebrations you guys have a party in the locker room every time you win it seems like but what was it like to invite uh you know, or uninvited. It felt like maybe 5,000, a couple thousand students down on the field and just kind of uh, celebrating in that way. It looked really fun. I didn't get down in the mess, but how did you enjoy that personally? I was just focused on soaking the moment in. There's uh, those, those students and the fans that rushed the field, those, I mean, they were incredible the whole game. Um, That was the loudest and the most engaged crowd I've seen uh, at that stadium. And it was, it made, it made it so much fun to play in. So uh, to be able to spend that moment with them was awesome and just soak in how far we've come and um, the moment that just happened, you know, with Doc's vision and everything, it's just, it was wild. But I'm not going to debate whether it was right or wrong they rushed it, but it was fun. Yeah. All right, two more, two more here, and that is the first one is about Doc's vision. You mentioned it there. I thought personally that Coach Freeze did a great job uh all week talking about it bringing it to light i mean he he actually enlightened a lot of a lot of fans on on it uh just to kind of like bring it to light and not really uh let it die kind of thing uh as a player um do you really do you feel like you guys had a good grasp on on what that is i know i know um none of you guys were there to see his comments and and to kind of see him talk about that all the time but at the same time, you, you guys got a heavy dose of it last week, which I thought was pretty cool. 
And uh, do you feel like you had a have a kind of a grasp on what you accomplished on Saturday? For sure. Uh, we're showing videos all the time um, of, you know, Doc's speeches and all the things that he said that this school was going to be. And uh, for the last, you know, I'm in season five here. For the last five seasons, I've seen those videos. I've heard the people talk. Uh, we got people in our building. Our chaplain was here when he said that. So, uh, Ed Gomes. So, uh, to talk with people that got to see that. And um, I definitely feel like we had a good grasp on, you know, the moment and what it meant just from all that, you know. And it was really cool talking with uh, – there was old football players from – the 70s and the 80s that were just on the field, you know, hugging us and crying. And, you know, to have that moment with them, that also was a special part, too, because we wanted to make sure that they know that this doesn't happen without them, too. So there was a lot of people that came before us. And to be able to have that moment and, you know, have that come to fruition was just special. Let me tell you when I knew that you were locked in and you were focused is when we were up by, I believe, 20, 14 minutes left. And the crowd started doing an LU chant whenever we were on offense and you were the first person to tell everybody to be quiet. I was like, Oh, like, I don't know if that was a good move on your part or a great move on your part. Um, they seemed to listen and quiet down, but for you to be locked in, like, like it had to have felt so awesome. Like you said, I saw you smiling huge there when you were talking about the crowd, uh, just being engaged, loud, four quarters, both sides of the stadium, students, alum, everybody was into it. I mean, I'm talking like on your feet, like third down screaming. Uh, it was insane to be a part of, uh, but I knew you were locked in whenever you were telling everybody to be quiet on offense. What was that? And why, like, I mean, we all know why you did it, but what was it in that moment where you're like, I can't believe I'm having to tell these people to be quiet. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, this was the first game we went with the verbal cadence, um, reasons I won't mention, but we went with the verbal cadence, so the quarterback verbally says something, and we hike the ball. So it's not, you know, you don't know how loud it's going to be. Um, and don't get me wrong, that crowd was incredible, as I said before. They they rented the whole game. They were insane, um, made it an incredible atmosphere. But with it being, you know, second or third down, we're trying to put the game away. I don't want something to happen with the center, you know, not hearing something or somebody hearing something that's not right. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll take the bullets so we don't have a bad play there, but I was trying to, you know, so we could hear everything, but once the plays are made, you know, get as loud as possible, but just trying to make sure there's no, uh, issues in the operation with the, the snap there. All right. <clears throat> I, uh, I, so this segment is brought to you by RTR. Uh, they are an oil distribution company in Hinton, West Virginia, uh, Greg Rogers, an alumni of LU, good friend of mine, family friend for a long time, actually. Um, you know, from, from back in the day, grandparents, everybody knew Greg and they are getting, he gets oil to all the hard deliver places. We're coming up on the winter months where people heat their houses with oil there in West Virginia. They actually deliver to six States. So Greg, shout out. Thank you for all you've done, uh, for this segment and, uh, Liberty athletics continuing to support. Um, and I hope you guys have a, a good winter and, uh, we'll be, we will be, uh, checking in next time. All right, Brendan, uh, that is it. Uh, final thoughts here from you. Any, anything you have to say to the fans that, that are watching tonight? Uh, just thankful for where we're at in the season so far. The support's been incredible. Um, you know, being at 7-1, and one, we're playing for a lot now. Um, this is a big game coming up, and we're not taking this bye week lightly. We've been watching film. We've been, you know, working on the Razorbacks. So uh, 
helping to put a good plan together and do what we can there. So just thankful for them. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, producer Nick, I have a statement here I have to read uh, before we get to the to the uh, Kyle DeArmond recorded. This statement comes uh, just hot off the press, actually, from Richie Longshots. Uh, for those of you who don't know, he's suspended this week uh, for just things we're going to keep, keep in-house. Uh, here's his statement. I actually haven't previewed this statement, so here we go. After last week, I've had an opportunity to reflect on my actions and humbly accept what will probably not be my first suspension. While I stand by my soak, I mean joke, I understand why I was su sussied, which is suspended. Because I was suspended, I wasn't able to switch my pick from BYU to Liberty, which I did an hour before the game because a bunch of people who are smarter than me texted me that they bet on Liberty Moneyline. So I jumped on board and won a lot of money. Three and one if you count that, two and two if you're a hater. Anywho, make sure you read my blog from last week so it does good enough numbers so John and Chad let me keep going. If they let me blog again, I have a real doozy that will include my picks for the bye week and maybe a blog within a blog who knows see you on the bird unless i catch a suspension there too uh richie long shots all right so that was that was from richie long shots who knows where i see him in the comments here tonight um i'm not really sure i didn't read the the t's and c's of his suspension not sure if his comments are allowed to be flashed on the screen or not but with that uh let's hit it let's get to this uh kyle diarman recorded interview it is five parts because it was like 20 some minutes long but uh, like I said earlier, incredible stuff and perspective from Kyle. All right, we are recording on Monday night with main man Kyle DeArmond. Uh, and you know what? We're coming off of just what I think is the biggest win in school history. Uh, it was incredible experience. Everything from the way the team played, the way the fans showed up and supported, to to everything about that night was incredible. Um, Kyle, we see, I feel like a broken record every year on this podcast. I guess we've been doing this seven or eight years now. Every year I say something like this is the biggest win in school history or this is the biggest game in school history. But without a doubt, that had to have been the biggest game in school history with everything that was involved, uh, not just the score, not just beating a power five at home, not just launching ourselves into the top 25 discussion, uh, you know, setting ourselves up for a, an amazing uh, win record this year. Um, and then the whole religious aspect, the vision of Dr. Falwell, easily biggest win in school history, right? Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, you think about, uh, you know, five years ago, 2017, we beat Baylor. And at the time, that was the biggest win in school history because it was the first Power Five win. Um, and now in five years, Hugh Freeze has done that three, four times. And, you know, to have a team like BYU come to Lynchburg and play at Liberty um, and to beat them and to beat them handedly. Um, yeah, biggest win in school history by far. And I think the other thing, you know, like – the media and people don't understand, you know, the vision of Dr. Falwell and the and what he wanted for the university and for the football program. And so they don't get how big this is. But I think that uh, uh, all of our fans do, obviously. I really think that our players do, like our current players. I think that Coach Freeze did a great job this week um, 
prepping them for that. You know, he talked about it two years ago when we played, uh, or three years ago, I guess, when we played in Provo. Um, he really hit on that all week. And then, you know, I know he did this week. So I think our players got it, which is big. I think that helped them That helped them play. It helped in the moment. Um, but by far the biggest win in school history uh, when you, you know, not ranked power five, all this, all this, all this. I think it's more of just the magnitude of the win and the vision kind of, you know, coming and happening and it, it being, you know, we won. It's crazy. Yeah, I, uh, you know, started following the team back in 2004, 2005. And I remember sitting in the game in, in the stands where there were less than 200 people. I bet you there were less than 20 students at a game. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of fell in love with that. I, I fell in love with the idea that I was I was going to be a diehard fan and be be there from the beginning. Started from the bottom. Now we're here kind of mentality. And I love that. That's kind of where like that's kind of why I dove into Liberty fandom and but even then, even back then, like I thought I was always destined for this FCS life. Hey, you're the you're the little brother. Hey, good job on your playoff victory, but you're still playing, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And, you know, until we became FBS and, and, and like I, I, even back then, it was impossible for me to envision what happened on Saturday night, like with, with engaged fans, with, with smart fans, with, with one of the best coaches in the country on the sideline, with uh, everything that happened that night, it, it never crossed my mind that we would get there in my lifetime, not just in 10 years, 20 years in my entire life. I thought I was destined to be like listening to games on radio, find them on bootleg internet streams, Facebook live, whatever. I didn't think we were going to ever have the experience that we had on Saturday um, to show off for the nation like that. And uh, just to, to your point, that goes to show what kind of vision Dr. Falwell had. I know that they've been releasing a lot of the clips and visions, but he he spoke it like it was going to happen. And that was his, like, hey, if you're coming here. It was kind of like a crazy for. thought, right? It was kind yeah. of like a crazy, like, your crazy uncle saying something. You're like, yo, yes. like, did you hear <laughs> yeah. what he just said? That's that's yeah. never going to happen. Like, that Especially, is literally what, yeah. it, what it sounded like. Yeah, especially back then when you were hearing it and like there were 200 people going to football games and we were like one in nine or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. So it was insane turnaround. I, I was thrilled, man. I, I was just thrilled. So um, I guess what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on just that whole shift in uh, perception of our program? I mean, as a player, as a coach, did you envision any of this? Like, could you see this coming to fruition one day? Uh, or were you kind of just as shocked or have been just as shocked on this ride as all of us? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as a player, you you kind of like we were terrible, you know, in 2005, the year before I got here to Liberty and then started winning under Rocco. And so but like you said, even then, I mean, we were going and we we're winning the Big South Conference, having, having three losses and not getting bids to the FCS playoff because they're like, well, you guys didn't play anybody and you almost beat Toledo, but you didn't beat them. So you guys aren't in. I mean, it was that constantly over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and then, you know, becoming a coach and being on the field and us beating Baylor, I think that's when you kind of really saw it starting to be like, okay, we're starting to get some recruits in here. You know, especially on the offensive side back in those days in 17, 18, you know, Buckshot and AGG and those guys, Damian King and DJ Stubbs and BJ Farrow, um, you know, they were 
playmakers that we had and you kind of saw it coming like hey we got a chance to to beat some of these teams that we're playing you were just happy back then to get a, a fbs win you know we're beating fcs teams and you get an fbs win it was like oh man and so now uh with what coach freeze has done i mean it, it's crazy but i think still it's like to the national media well liberty still they haven't played anybody or you know, they were this and that, and they're not that good. Oh, BYU's, BYU's bad. Or, or oh, Wake Forest, it was Sam Hartman's first game back. That's why they only lost to him by one and they didn't get blown out. I mean, it's like, how many excuses are you going to keep throwing at Flames Nation and Hugh Freeze before you realize that Liberty is a good football team, the program is continuing to, to rise, and they're not going to go anywhere. Like Liberty's not just like here and it's just like a Tulane because Tulane I think is sorry and they've been sorry. They were sorry last year and they're having a good season so far. They're five and one, six and one right now, but they're probably going to finish like barely bowl eligible. I mean, it's a joke and people talk about just how amazing these teams are. Let me tell you this. Wait, can we move on? Or are we still going to talk BYU? What do you want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I did a little research here, Chad. Okay, did a little research. So, Hugh Freeze against a, a group of five schools. All right, this is Hugh Freeze. Well, actually, let me start it this way. App State, who is big dog, right? They're the king, probably king of, 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 the, of group of five. Against group of five schools since 2019, App State is 29 and nine. All right, that's a 76% win percentage. Coastal Carolina, who uh, another team that everybody thinks is just unbelievable, right? 25 and 11 against group of five schools. You can only play who's on your schedule, right? You can only play who's on your schedule. They're 25 and 11, 69% win percentage since 2019. All right. UCF, another big, big time school, right? 23 and nine, pretty good record. 23 and nine against group of five schools. All right. Cincinnati, obviously they're number one, 29 and two against group of five. Liberty under Hugh Freeze against group of five schools since 2019 is 25 and four. Wow. Wow. An 86% win percentage. <clears throat> 20, 25 and four. And UCF so, and Cincinnati are both going power five. And so I don't, I'm not sure we should count them, but yes, that is amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it, I don't know what else you can tell people to, for them to realize like, Liberty is a good football team. Not only is Liberty a good football team, but Hugh Freeze is a good football coach. I mean, he took – basically, if you think about it, since 2019, the last two years are probably the first two years that we truly have FBS recruits and guys who he recruited. In 2019 and probably a little bit more in 2020 as well, still, there were guys that recruited or under an FCS class. And so – now we're kind of seeing him start to get his recruits and start to get guys and, you know, 25 and four. I mean, we need to tweet that out, put that out there and tell all the people who are voting against us, really. Like this has been continued success since he stepped foot on campus is Liberty wins games against people who are at their same level. And we have three power five wins in four years. I mean, it's like, come on, what else you got to do? <clears throat> you don't. 
You don't sound like you uh, watched the playoff committee spurn you for the FCS playoffs uh, several years in a row. Oh, I've been, you. yeah, yeah, I've been, a, I've been a part of, I've been a part of this since uh, 2007. Like, so, I mean, I feel that, and I feel that angst against all these, you know, haters that people are just <laughs> like, oh, we said we have to talk about liberty. Like, we thought that when Malik Willis when he left, like we, we, no, it's not just a one and done like special thing it's yeah what this program is and and what it's going to continue to be i love it all right so you just named some stuff that hugh freeze did like his record and 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 on the field and football and all that stuff is amazing like like second best in in group of five against other group of fives uh but i'm gonna throw out ucf and cincinnati and say he is the best because they're headed to the p5 all right <clears throat> but what i wanted to comment on is in the last four years, our, our fan base has matured by like 50 years. And, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, we've grown, the engagement has grown. The, the number of supporters has grown. You saw that Saturday night, the biggest, uh, the biggest crowd in, in uh, the history of Williams stadium. Um, I, I think that not only is what he's done on the field, really important, what he's done off the field to engage fans and, and um, you know, can you just talk a little bit about how he does that? I mean, he has his style with the media, his style with fans and just being brutally honest with us talking about like what he does and doesn't like not trying to be secretive all the time about, about certain things, how that makes more loyal fans and fans who uh, are more diehard and <clears throat> into following his team and his program. Uh, how, how has he been able to do that? And do you recognize that as well? Like his style coming in just at the right time, right when we were ready to flourish with our fan base, I guess, I mean, you laid out all the on the field stuff. I'm, I'm just trying to, to talk about what he's done for our fan base over yeah. the last four years. I mean, he's, he's completely, you know, open, which I think is something different that, you know, we haven't seen. Um, yeah, we didn't have that with Turner Gill and, love coach Gill to death, but they didn't have, you know, he wasn't open to the media and video. And, and I think coach freeze just gets it. Like he, he understands now that part of recruiting in 2022 is, is the content is, is the creative, creative team. It's those videos that, uh, you know, those guys put out and it's allowing them in the locker room to, to record as, you know, pregame and his postgame speech. It's uh, allowing them to be at practice. It's allowing, allowing them to put mics on the coaches and players and you know where you really feel like man i'm so involved because i kind of know these guys like i know day day hunter i know ben agamoa i know bruce johnson i know josh aldridge like because i've seen them you know and, and i know how they are i know how their family is like you know they they he's allowed that to happen and i think that's really what's kind of you know sparked uh, our fan base, uh, social media, you know, he's, he's all on social media. He he'll troll every now and then, you know, as you see him on Twitter, like he's not afraid to, to, to get on there and throw some things out. Um, and, uh, I think it's been really beneficial for our fan base because they, they love it. They eat that stuff up, you know, and we've seen it probably more so now and this year than ever, but you know, it, when you when you allow access like he does to a, to a team, your fan base is going to grow. And I think the other thing about him uh, is that he just gets it. Like he gets the Liberty Mission, he gets Doctor Falwell's dreams and his vision, and he's all in on that. And so, you know, it fires him up just as much as it does like our fans who have been here since the '80s and '90s and early 2000s uh, because he fully, 
you know, understands you know, what it means to the university to, to beat a BYU. Yeah, it would be remiss if we didn't didn't say the the access that he gives to uh, a sea of red to the way he the way he treats John and myself and everybody else of sea of red like it's it's unbelievable the, the just how he he kind of uh, he he shares with us and 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 that's incredible that's helped us a ton it's helped it's helped kind of grow this whole thing and uh, the community uh, of Flames fans so really appreciative appreciative of all of that that he's doing too um, so <clears throat> I guess. Uh, uh, the final final thoughts here for me are that win Saturday. Sh- it it, sh- it shocked me. I'm not gonna lie. Like I, we were seven point underdog. It shocked me. Um, <clears throat> it shocked me that we were six and one going into that game. Um, so we are seven and one. We've already hit the over Vegas win total, and we still have UConn, New Mexico State, Virginia Tech. I, I saw the power rankings on ESPN. We're like an 80% chance of winning that game now. And then we have Arkansas on the road. So we have four games left. Um, you know, what it what from this point forward um, in terms of, you know, how, being an independent, we always talk about being bowl eligible and, and so forth. But is nine and ten wins possible for this team and what would that mean coming off of uh, losing Malik to the third round of the NFL draft and just kind of uh, what does that mean for Hugh and and the coaches and, and, and this group of guys who maybe have been counted out? And then for our fan base, you know, is that successful nine to ten win season? And is that something you saw coming? Uh, I mean, if you look at it like what to expect kind of going into this into uh, the rest of these games, I mean. You don't you don't know what to expect. I mean, I don't think anybody anybody knows what to expect just because of uh, how the first uh, eight games have gone. Um, I, I think that the one thing about this staff uh, and these players is that the culture is completely different than when he stepped foot on campus, and they bought into that. And I think that culture wins. And coach coach always talked about that how culture wins, and from his first meeting with the team that's what he told them and and he has been preaching this thing of culture from day one and culture wins when you lose a a quarterback uh to the nfl draft who was a ton of your offense you know culture wins when you get a new defensive coordinator because your previous one left for a new job and it's kind of a new defense like culture wins in recruiting and that is what they have done uh, top to bottom, everyone in that from equipment to uh, Dom and his strength staff to uh, nutrition to Barry Fink uh, to Coach Gomes to Will Reed and video. I mean, from all the support staff, Matt Bevan, CJ Holden, all of those guys. I mean, from all of them to every player on the team, to every coach on staff, to all the GAs, everybody. I mean, they're all bought in on the culture, and and that's what is winning these games. So for us to sit here and be like, oh, man, Arkansas is going to be tough. Yeah, it is going to be a tough game. It is going to be a tough opponent. But that dude knows how to get his guys ready to play. I mean, when he told them to lock the gate, he said, we're going to run through these gates, and we're going to turn – we're going to lock the gate, and we're going to fight. Okay, empty my bank account, put all my money on Liberty. This game is over. Like, that dude got them going, and that was it. I mean – so that is what he does, and so you can't really put a number on the rest of the season because I think that they have they they've kind of hit their stride. 
you know, we would we would be remiss if we didn't talk about Jonathan Bennett. And no matter what happens the rest of that dude's career, he will go down as a Liberty legend because he was the one who took down BYU at home. 24-29. I mean, that guy was just unbelievable. So, um, yeah, man, I'm fired up for the rest of the year, and I think that it's going to be a uh, an unbelievable finish. And can't wait to uh, can't wait to watch and, and cheer and and no we don't we can't jump ahead, Chad. We can't jump ahead to Virginia mm-hmm. Tech. We still got a couple more games left, so we can't jump ahead here on the pod. But man, I can't wait. I'm fired up. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, same here. And uh, I haven't listened to uh, Coach's press conference on Monday, but he has a way. I mean, it's a bye week, so hopefully he's not doing it this week. But next Monday he'll bring us all back down to earth. And, and Arkansas is going to be like the the 300 Spartan army that's just going to take over the world. And it's going to be incredible. And I'm going to be sitting here nervous as wreck. Like, man, we're about to go get blown out in Arkansas. So, <clears throat> all right. Uh, I think that is it for everything. I just wanted to give you the final comments here on Saturday night and uh, just your feelings. I know you got to bring your family to the game and, and uh, just your feeling being back on campus and seeing that stadium. I know you have, as a player and coach, you probably envisioned what will this place look like if it was full of raucous fans. Uh, one, how cool was that to finally see it? And two, was it everything you thought it would be? Uh, you know, or, or did our fans live up to the hype of a packed out stadium? Um, yeah, they they definitely lived up to the hype. Uh, man, it was emotional. I mean, like it was it was just an emotional experience of, of sitting and watching, um, standing most of the time and watching and cheering, uh, and just kind of being in awe, like it, uh, really in all of, of what the Lord has done for the university and, and for the football program, um, the resources that he's provided for us to, to be where we are. Um, I mean, really just in complete awe of, of where we are at and, Man, I think that I'm so thankful to be a Liberty alum and uh, to wear this logo proudly uh, and to be proud of where I went to school and to be proud of where I played and where I had the opportunity to coach Division One football, which was, you know, a dream of mine. And I and I loved it. Um, so, yeah, just proud. Proud is the word. Proud is is. Uh, is how I still feel, and uh, I'm very thankful. No matter what happens uh, this season, the end of the season, the rest of the year, I'm just very thankful. Very thankful for that coaching staff, uh, for those players, for this administration, and they have they have uh, given Liberty fans everything that we have wanted, and um, they continue to they continue to do that not only in football but in basketball, baseball, softball track and field, volleyball, I mean, everything, uh, lacrosse, field hockey. I mean, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. So, yeah, man, just proud, proud of, proud of to be a, a Liberty alum. That is like, like I've got chills. It is cold out here on the back porch, but I've got chills because I feel the exact same way, just proud of like, you know, being able to go out in public. I've had so many people stop me, not just this year, but recently stop me. And I had a guy I was walking the night in the neighborhood. He was like, hey, were you at the game Saturday? And I was like, what game no nobody asked me what game and i looked down i was wearing a liberty shirt and i was like yeah i was at the game saturday he goes yeah me too man that was like the best college experience of my life college football game experience and i was i was like 
wow, man, that is really cool. He's like, yeah, I'm a Virginia Tech fan, but my son, blah, 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 went on this whole story. And I get that all the time now. I'm, I'm only an hour away from the school, but I get that all the time. And I'm very proud to wear that Liberty uh, logo. And uh, man, that is not something I thought was going to happen any time in my lifetime either. Very yeah. proud. And uh, hey, Kyle, appreciate you, man. And uh, thanks for all you do. Uh, to continue to carry on the uh, Liberty brand. And uh, man, you're, you're killing it on this podcast. Uh, you know, I, I will tell you that next season, after a whole season of this, we're going to ramp it up a little bit. We're not going to lob any softballs like, hey, how great is Coach Freeze? How great is this? Uh, so so uh, be prepared for that. But no, man, you're killing it. And I appreciate all you do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. One more thing. Uh, forgot to refer. I tweeted out the winner, but. Um, with a guess of, I think he guessed like 24,053. He was like yep. 38 off, uh, yeah. was Rodney Beckham. Nice. So he won, he won the, uh, the gear. <laughs> His handle is at LU flames and fury. So yeah. give him a he follow had- flame fans. And, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he was, he was spot on. So, you know what, Chad, I will give away since I, I'm looking at this bin of clothes that I have over here. And so I'm the top top three. I'm gonna give away the, the top three closest. I'm gonna send them something too. So I know I'm giving wow. away all your stuff because you already asked me for a lot of this. So, uh, but it's all yeah, good, man. It's all because good. because we killed BYU. I'm just feeling I'm feeling happy tonight. Proud of Liberty. I mean, spread the wealth. You know. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. All right. I, I know we said last thing a bunch of times, but I, I forgot one thing. I want to get your take on bye week. Does that help or hurt us getting into the top 25? Oh, helps, like, helps, 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 helps. Because losing is helps. what takes you out, right? Uh, what, What's that? Does that help us get into the top 25? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't even care about the top 25, honestly. Like, the top 25, I just think of bye week as rest and health and getting guys back. <laughs> I mean, we have gone through a gauntlet of a season. I mean, just physical play after physical play. We've had a tough schedule. And to get our guys back – I think that's the most important thing. Uh, but in regards to ranking, eh, no, they'll probably forget about us. I mean, they don't even want to talk about us now. So we'll probably go from 27th to like 30th because we didn't play a game. Uh, but it just is what uh-huh. it is. But that doesn't matter. Rankings don't matter. Getting the Flames healthy and beating Arkansas. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. Appreciate it, man. Have a good week. See ya. All right, uh, we are going to uh, jump in. We got a uh, Jason Porter ad we're going to play here, and uh, he couldn't join us tonight. And then we're going to jump into our Liberty Hoops roundtable after talking with John Manson. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Jason Porter. I'm with Legacy Realty and Development, and it's been a, a great partnership here with Sea of Red lately. Uh, I was with Liberty Athletics as the Associate Athletic Director for Sports Medicine, so took care of all of the uh, healthcare needs and coordinated that with a fantastic staff at Liberty um, in the athletic department, of course, for about uh, five or six years, and then uh, moved into real estate full-time and uh, with Legacy Realty and Development. And uh, it's just been a great pleasure to continue to stay connected with my Liberty University uh, family and the athletics family as well. I've been enjoying serving them. Uh, a lot of the um, graduate assistants and some of the staff that I hired has come back now and has uh, been using me for residential services, which I really appreciate. But certainly do residential real estate as far as buying and selling of homes, of course. And then also uh, we have a strong commercial presence as well. So commercial real estate, um, obviously a very, very different animal than is residential. 
but uh, whether it's buying and selling commercial uh, properties or uh, just the leasing of properties, we can help with that as well. So it's uh, been a great uh, opportunity to service our commercial clients as well. And then certainly on the investment front too, a number of um, folks who have discovered the power of passive income through real estate and investing in real estate with rental properties or fix and flips, those kind of things. And so great joy to, um, to serve my clients in that capacity as well. The uh, other thing that I would add too is just a very, very full Rolodex at this point of contractors and subs and just different professional contacts that I've made through the years. So if I can ever provide any of those folks to you and all of a sudden you need a plumber or an electrician or a contractor to build your deck, whatever, I'd certainly be glad to give you access to that Rolodex and those references as well because a lot of times it's not exactly who you know, it's uh, who you know that knows how to do the job well. And so I would be glad to provide those services for you as well. So love Flames Nation, love taking care of um, my Liberty uh, family. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, my contact information is all right here on the screen. And I would love to be a uh, service to you and yours. Thanks so much. joined by creator founder all things the sea of red main man and my good friend john manton john you just watched that kyle dearman interview he gave some great perspective on what byu meant um but for as somebody who has been around the program for since about 2000 what three 2002 something like that and then been a diehard since around about that same time uh what did saturday night mean to you were you catching all those emotions uh like kyle was yeah, that was a great, great interview. And um, I might say one of the best uh, interviews we've ever had on on the Sea Red podcast. Great job and love having Kyle on to share his thoughts and his opinions, unlike anybody else. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, you know, I was kind of feeling it all week um, leading up to the game, just the emotions of it and, and everything. And, and Saturday as well, it was just kind of you know, hit me of how big of a game it was, how important it was, how much it meant uh, to the school, to the football program, and, and to everyone, to all the alums, uh, the fans, um, you know, the team, players, coaches, admin, everybody, go up and down the list. And, and you know, I went down – Todd Wetmore, the SID for football, told told us up in the press box, he said, hey, if you guys want to – this was in the fourth quarter. Actually, I think it was in the third quarter. He said, if you guys – you know, because we always go down right at the end of the game to get to the press uh, the, the press conference after the game, which is right outside the locker room with Coach Freeze. And he's like, if you guys want to get down there, you got to go down early because they're going to be, you know, fighting off the students from getting on the field and all this. So I actually went down midway through the fourth quarter and finished writing my uh, game coverage – from the back of the end zone, but right underneath the uh, big video board. And, and I got some videos that I tweeted out some of them. And, um, you know, then when the, the game was over and the, you know, students ran out on the field and stuff, I walked out there and started taking some video too. And I saw a few people that, you know, Mickey Gritty, I mean, he's a guy who's been around a long time, you know, longer than I've been around, longer than, than you've been around. And, and uh, you could tell just the emotions that hit him, just looking at him in the face and 
Kevin Keyes, another guy who's been around Liberty a long, long time, great guy. Um, you know, he was overcome with emotion as well. And, you know, kind of gave, went up and gave both of those guys a hug on the field. And former football players, Chris Stokes, I don't know if anybody remembers him. He was out on the field. I saw him. And uh, he he was acting like he had just played the game and, and just a huge smile on his face. And, um, you know, it, it meant so much to so many people. And yet uh, Dr. Falwell's vision and and without him, none of this would have happened. None of us would, would this podcast wouldn't be a thing, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many other people that have gone into to getting to that night uh, and to what we've seen. And, um, you, you know, Ian McCall, we don't say enough about him, but the job he's done, I, I truly believe he's a top five AD in the entire country. Um, you know, he's done it at other schools and and he's doing it here at Liberty. He's, he's done an amazing job and, and coach for, I mean, you can go up and down the list. Coach Freeze, I think he's a top five coach in the country. Coach McKay is a great coach. Uh, Dot Richardson, uh, Scott Jackson. I mean, you can go to almost every sport and um, it's amazing how much this, uh, this athletic program has grown, you know, 15 years ago is when I graduated from college. And, and I heard you talking, I think it was with Kyle there early in that interview about, you know, I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime. And I can remember walking uh, when I was in college and talking to my dad, he's a big UVA fan. I was walking into the stadium with him at, at UVA up in Scott stadium, walking in and um, having a conversation about, yeah, Liberty wants to one day be a, be a big time football school. And, and he's like, Oh yeah, it'll get there. It'll get there. I remember thinking like, I don't know if it's going to get there. I don't know if, if I'm ever going to see it, maybe my kids will, I don't know if I will, but you know, sitting there Saturday night and uh, realizing that, wow, you know, we're not done growing, but, but for, you know, the most part we've made it. All right. So you expressed that there were several people overcome with emotion John, did you cry on Saturday night? You, you, I did not cry. I didn't shed any physical tears, but there was there, there was one time actually, um, you know, if I would have let myself go, I, I could have shed a few tears. That was actually, I just left the stadium and I got back and drove back uh, over to my house and had gone down to the basement and was uh, turned on the TV and you and I were getting ready to get on the uh, – uh, Twitter space for the first time. And I was just kind of thinking like, how am I going to put this into words? What, what I'm feeling. And, you know, that was the first time I was kind of, I probably could have, if I, if I wanted to, but no, I did not cry. I felt that wave of emotion. Honestly, there was a third down. Uh, it was a kind of a key third down. It, I think it was the one right after uh, the interception was overturned. Um, we still ended up making like, I think it was actually a fourth down play. Um, but the crowd was so loud and I just like stopped cheering for a minute and just like looked around and I like got out my phone and started taking video of the crowd. And like, I was like, this is unbelievable because I, you know, you and I are both ride or die, die hard. We're into it all the way. I never thought that I would see more than like a hundred people act the same way you and I did, but to see 24,012 of them acting that way was like, man, I feel like that I have so many friends in here right now. And it was, it was, it was uh, I was, that was like the one moment had I like not been in a stadium with my family, like I could have let myself go there. Uh, that was, that was a lot of, that was a overwhelming moment for me with emotion. So um, any other thoughts on, on BYU and what this does? 
I know that we're not going to talk about the games per se. You've written a lot about it. We've tweeted and talked a lot about it. But what about what does this do for the rest of our season? Before we jump into the men's basketball preview, what is it? How does this set us up for the rest of the season here? Well, and it's first of all, and I tweeted this out myself, uh, my personal account uh, earlier today, I believe it was. I'm so glad there's a bye week this week because I know, and I'm not even in the locker room and going through the workouts and and studying. I would not be mentally and emotionally ready to play a game this Saturday. So I'm glad there's a, there's a bye weeks and it gives you, gives us all a chance to, to, you know, take two, three, four, five days to just kind of, you know, relive what happened and, and just to, uh, you know, have fun and, and reminisce on it and, and, you know, comprehend what happened. But, but at the same time, I've also looked at that schedule and, and yeah, that Arkansas game's looming, and I, I shared a stat with you earlier this week, and I forget what it is, but Hugh Freeze is something like, what what was it, 12 and four, something like that, I think it was, um, when he has longer than a week to prepare for an opponent. So a season opener, a bowl game coming off a bye week, and uh, since he's been at Liberty. So, again, I'm not going to sit here today and say we're beating Arkansas. That's going to be a, a big mountain to climb and, and won't be an easy game. but. Um, you know, if Liberty, if you look at their schedule, they can definitely get to 10 wins and maybe more than that. And if they do that, I think this could be, I mean, the only other season you could argue that was better was 2020 when we went 10 and one with Malik, but based on what the schedule is and all the adversity that went into this and the season after Malik, uh, I think it'd be hard to, to say that this one is not the best ever, but, but yeah, still four games left, a lot to play. So, um, but, but that's what this team has done and set them up uh, with that chance the last four, four games of the season. All right. I'm going to uh, shift gears real hard here, going to men's basketball. This is one of the craziest things that we do uh, is, is basketball blending into football season. It is a whirlwind. Um, I am super excited to have Nick Kirby, who is Vines Palm Connection, and uh, Will Matthews, who is Did Liberty Win on Twitter. I am so excited to have them join us uh, for the basketball season. Um, it, they uh, follow basketball a lot more than than I do, per, pretty much. Uh, they're into it. They have been for a long time. So it's going to be a lot of fun to have them. Uh, so tonight, for the rest of the show, we're going to preview the basketball season we're going to bring in, in those two guys and uh, kind of have like a round table. And then as we get into basketball season, uh, they will be uh, hosting this together, the a Sea of Red live podcast uh, during basketball season. So looking forward to that. I loved last year what they had going on, and I would sit and watch every time. Uh, you know, I love doing it, but, man, consuming Flames knowledge and and, and stuff like that is, is also really cool. So – uh, without further ado, let's get into the uh, Flames basketball roundtable. Keep the same energy. Work on being better when I'm 70. Your drip is just a water spring. You know I drip different, just the seven seas. I deal with life different, make that limit squeeze. Went on for my style. Well, they didn't say any cuss words in that song, so thank goodness I made it three minutes before we went live here, so I didn't uh, get to test that out. But yeah, here they are. Uh, Did Liberty win? Will Matthews, bottom left. Nick Kirby, Vines Palm Connection, or Vines Connection uh, in the bottom right. And uh, yeah, so guys, take it away. 
fellas, what's going on? Hey, Will, what'd you do during the summer? Man, I um, I just want to keep talking about football. I mean, I know basketball is right around the corner, but uh, and Nick left when we started talking about football. But that BYU win was enough to make Nick Kirby a football fan. It was. It was. Great win. Great win. We're going to use that energy into the basketball season, right, everyone? Let's roll it over. Yeah, let's get it. <laughs> Good comment here from Jacob. Nothing like a little trap music leading into the four middle-aged white dudes. <laughs> <laughs> it was last minute. It was last minute. I'm just glad he didn't cuss. I chose one that didn't say explicit, hoping that it would like, but whatever. But he did have a good line in there about squeezing lemons. I mean, that's what we're trying to do here tonight. <laughs> All right, let's jump right in here. Uh, it's like already an hour past Will's bedtime, so we better get rolling. Um, I'm on my third cup of coffee over here. My man, that's dedication, folks. That's dedication. Uh, let's take a look at our projected starting lineup. Uh, we're gonna. Th we think we've had some some good, lively discussions. There may be one in the the midst of us that doesn't agree with this, but groupthink went with this as the projected starting lineup. Uh, Colin Porter, the freshman at point guard. Uh, Darius McGee, the other guard, uh, Van Zant, Rode, and Robinson rounding out the five. I want to start with John uh, about uh, Colin Porter. Let's start with him. Uh, you have raved about him. Everyone I've ever heard has raved about him and his ability to uh, be an instant impact. Uh, kind of like maybe a guy named Darius McGee did back in the 18-19 uh, season. Talk about uh, Porter for a second, John. I've heard the uh, comparison to Chris Parker when talking about Colin and, and uh, you know, we only had the one year there with Chris as he kind of came in after Georgie kind of stepped out and, and uh, he stepped right in, right. Seamless, seamlessly. And, and um, you know, but it's a lot different, you know, Chris was a, a, a veteran, a senior. He had played in uh, conference tournaments, won a conference championship at the D2 level and, and uh, was a veteran, and, and Colin stepping in as a 18 year old kid, you know, just out of uh, out of prom and, and high school basketball, and, and we're going to be asking a lot out of him. And he's going up against you see the guy right there next to him, Darius McGee, who's a Liberty legend already, much like our guy uh, Will Matthews, and did Liberty win. But Darius McGee is one of the goats, right? Or maybe he is the goat. I mean, we, we can have that de debate as the season goes on, but. Um, you know, and he's going to be sharing a backcourt with them. But, but yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot of good things like you you said and alluded to, and and um, I'm looking forward to see when the lights are turned on, how does he perform? You know, it, it does he live up to that that hype? Does he live up to it? And Coach McKay has been very reluctant to even mention him. I asked him a question in his first press conference a couple weeks ago about Colin, and he like wouldn't even talk about him. So um, he he doesn't want to you know, hype him up too much, but I guess that's what we're for. Trying to have him uh, sneak up a 30 point performance against Alabama in a couple weeks. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Uh, great question right off the bat from, from Steven. That's a really small backcourt, which is fair. I mean, this is uh, uh, a small backcourt. Uh, Chad, let's, uh, let's start with you on that one. We'll go all around the horn on this. What do you think about, the the small backcourt you've got a concern for you if if this is what the the flames go with yeah i i no i don't uh, i'm not not in the a sun uh you know 
and not in today's game. I mean, today's game is, uh, you know, can you can you make a lot of threes? Can you get a lot of open threes? And uh, there's no like, you know, back to the basket play anymore. I mean, you rarely see that. And then on the defensive side, I mean, the way they play the pack line and funnel everything to the middle where their help is. I mean, contesting shots. So I think Darius last year, even though he's really small, he has the hops to get up and contest shots out on the perimeter. So height, I mean, you like to have it for rebounding. So you don't want all five guys tiny, but uh, uh, the the backcourt here, the point guard and the shooting guard being so small, uh, no problem in today's game, in my opinion. When yeah. I had a bat, uh, small backcourt, so you know, it's not it's not really that much of a issue, I don't think. Yeah, I I think what Chad's saying is right. I mean, I think that maybe against some of these, you know, more athletic teams, when you're having six five, six six, six seven guards, yeah, that might be a little bit of a problem. Uh, you can offset it if both of these guys shoot around forty percent from three. I mean that that that's hard to defend and. Your lack of of size isn't going to get exposed as much. Uh, Will Darius yes. McGee coming back a fifth him. year? I, I just you know as I was getting ready and and thinking about you know tonight and, and and starting the the basketball talk, I just I went through every season and just how much he's accomplished already, and, and to be coming back for another year. Talk, talk to us about Darius. Man, well, you know, when we lost to Bellarmine last year, that was a really hard loss to process, right? I mean, we both got on here, Nick, right before we went live, and we were just almost in silence because we didn't really know what to say. And it, you were kind of bummed out because you were thinking, man, Darius is not going to get that fourth, you know, and that last, you know, run at the – NCAA tournament because it got cut short the year, you know, year we had that really good team. Um, and, you know, at times, maybe, maybe I'm way off base in this, but, you know, we struggled down the stretch and it almost seemed like, did the team maybe rely on Darius too much? Um, but having him back, it really does make you feel pretty confident that we've got one of the best players in all of college basketball coming back. It gives you some, it gives the team some familiarity because otherwise you're going to have to have a committee to score without him. So I'm so glad that he's back. Well, I kind of almost felt at, at the end of the season, maybe a positive that you could take away is that you saw, you know, full Darius ball doesn't work. And, and this is not at all a knock on Darius. I think he didn't really have a lot of choices. And when you watch those games, didn't seem like there was really a good chance for Liberty to win unless he went, you know, completely insane. Uh, so I, maybe, do you think there could maybe be a positive in that end of the year where you saw, hey, this didn't work, you know, this will win you a couple games, but it's not going to win you three straight games in a, a conference tournament. Do you kind of feel like maybe that's a benefit to Liberty going into this year? Yeah. I mean, it kind of gives you a plan of, um, hey, if he's not firing all cylinders, you got to go with something else. And he struggled down the stretch a little bit last year. So, um, you know, you, the question still from last year remains, who is going to be the guy that's going to help him? 
Yeah. And, you know, for me, I, I don't think they need, you know, I think it was like, who's going to be the number two score? I, I don't think you need a number two. You don't need it. It can be different guys on different nights. Yeah. I think Liberty, you know, when we saw them at their absolute best, there was four or five scores on the floor at the time. And it felt like at times there was maybe two guys last year that you felt could, could uh, you know, create their own shot or could knock down an open three. And obviously a guy like, like Colin Porter, you know, we'll talk in a minute about uh, Brody Peebles. Hopefully some of these guys having more confidence. Um, and, man, if you have four, five, lethal three-point shooters that makes Darius McGee almost impossible to defend uh real quick I don't want to talk about Darius all night because we obviously could but John you said something when uh Darius announced he was coming back that I thought was the best thing I I read on anyone saying anything about it you said if Darius McGee was a transfer he'd be the top transfer in the country talk to us about like your mindset on when you when you hit sin on that tweet yeah, well, I mean, it's true. He could have gone – if he entered the portal with one year left after what he did last year and what he's done the last few years, he could have gone anywhere he wanted to to play basketball. I mean, look look what Seth Curry did a few years ago um, when he was at Liberty after that one season, and he had to sit out a year before he got to play, and he ended up at Duke. I mean, you know, you, you think uh, Duke wouldn't want to add, add uh, Darius or, or – uh, North Carolina, anybody in the country would love to have a guy that's got, you know, he's been to the NCAA tournament twice. He's won three conference championships. He's played a lot of games. He's been the number one guy. And then you add him in as, you know, maybe not not having to be a guy that has to score 25 get points a night, but be more of a, a complimentary piece. And, I mean, he could have. He, he would have been the top recruit uh, in the country out of, out of the portal. I mean, it, it's no doubt about that. And and, uh, you know, so that's really a huge win when you talk about Coach McKay getting him to to come back. Yeah. All right, let's talk about these other fellas that were projecting the starting lineup. Uh, let's talk about Vin Zan. I'm a huge Vin Zan fan. I know, Chad, you are as well. What do you think about him and his his growth uh, from from freshman year to his sophomore year? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Comment on what John just said. McKay even said that today in his presser. McKay I mean he said Darius could have gone anywhere and I think he was alluding to if he had entered the transfer portal he might have even said that um as far as Vincent I, I don't know man like he he's obviously he's got the defensive prowess he's got the ability on the defensive end uh, it really showed up last year in the conference tournament uh he, he made some incredible blocks he was shut down kind of guy the one thing that stands out to me about him is his free throw percentage He's a very good free throw shooter, and I've always heard and known that if you're a free throw, a good free throw shooter, that that typically translates over into shooting the three. So it's not like it. He doesn't have it. It looks good. It goes in a lot from the free throw line. Um, so yeah, I think if he adds a three point shot to his game, obviously there were several times last year in transition that there's nobody better at finishing at the rim than him. So. Number one defender, great free throw percentage, and one of the top finishers at the rim in, in transition. The one gap in his game was three-point uh, percentage, and the way he shoots the free throws, I have to think that with a little bit more time and work on that, as many shots as you get up in college, especially between year and year to year, I think if he fills that that gap in his game and, and can shoot you know, 35-plus, 40% from three. I mean, he's, de- he's conference player. He's 
all first team all conference type player. Well, and to kind of segue into talking about maybe Shiloh, not to steal your thunder there, Nick, but that's exactly what we saw from Shiloh, you know, two years ago going into last year. That was our biggest question mark about him is could he take that next step? We knew he was a good defender and a good role player, but in order to be a, you know, guy's going to play 25, 30 minutes a night, he needs to have some type of offensive game. And and I forget his numbers, his, uh, what was that, would have been his sophomore year from three, but it was woeful. I mean, 18 to 20% or something like that. And what did he end up shooting last year? Close to 40% from three. Round up and, to 40. Yeah. So, um, you know, if, if Vinzant can take a similar leap, then, then that makes this team that much better. And and another guy that we'll talk about in a minute, Isaiah Warfield, similar type of player last year. But, um, but yeah, and just to jump in on, on Shiloh is um, there was times last year he was the best player on the team, even in spite of Darius. I mean, I can remember a couple conference games early in the year that he was having, you know, 16, 18 point nights. And, you know, maybe they were locking down on Darius and, and it was Shiloh that was stepping up and getting those buckets. So uh, I think Shiloh is another guy. Talk about all conference potential. I think Shiloh can be a first team all conference guy this year and, and can be a double double type guy. And uh, really looking forward to see his growth this year, too. Yeah, he's a. He's a matchup nightmare, and it definitely felt like he was trending towards a all-conference player, and then he kind of tailed off a little bit at the end. You don't know if that was fatigue. You have to remember the year before, these guys played like 10 less games. Um, it was a weird season, and, uh, you know, so many you know factors in that. So I don't know, maybe he wore down a little bit. But, you know, on Vinzan, I mean, 81% free throw shooter as a freshman. That That's ridiculous. One thing I look at with his three-point shooting, he only shot 25 threes last year. He didn't shoot that many, so... Maybe some of it's a little bit of a confidence thing. Uh, Shiloh shot 58 threes. The, the, the big guy shot over twice as many. And to John's point on Shiloh, Shiloh shot 18 threes in 2021 and then went up to 58 uh, in 2022. So maybe it's just uh, you know a confidence thing. And, you know, you know I, 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 Vince Zan has all the tools that you, you think he's going to be at least a capable uh, three-point shooter. Well, let's round out the, this uh, starting lineup talk with with the guy, the Swiss Army Knife, uh, the Kyle Road. What do you think about uh, a Kyle Road here? Another year, uh, just kind of been Mr. Steady for Liberty. Man, I'm going to say the same thing I think I said last year with Kyle Road is I just want to see a little bit more aggressiveness. Um, I think he shows that at times, but I'd like to see it be a little bit more consistent. I'd like to see him get fired up at some point. Yeah, he played really, really well after a really rough start to the season. Uh, yeah. He played lights out for most of the end of the year. I don't think anyone really played well in the conference tournament, so you know, kind of, I guess, throw those away. But he played really, really well in, in, in conference play. Fellas, any other thoughts on the starting lineup before we move to talk about some of the bench guys? Yeah, I, I, I'm on record to say that I don't believe this is the starting lineup for the for the majority of the first part of the season. I think uh, I think it's, it looks a little bit differently than this. It could be this, but I'm just uh, been around long enough to to see McKay's uh, way of of dealing with freshmen, and I'm not so sure we see this starting lineup. So I'm on record for that. I'm on record saying I want it. Richie, I know you're listening. <laughs> I want Colin Porter against Regent. I, I want him to come out, score 50, get us all excited, and uh, let's go. Or may, you know what? You know, maybe he's not going to play him at all against Regent, and then he's just going to sneak up on Alabama. I could see that too. 
All right, let's move on to the bench. Let's start with Brody. Uh, Will, Brody Peebles, year two. Uh, yeah. Man, a guy we love, a guy we hope that can really just get rolling. And Brody had, had I think he, John, did he have a, 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 a break last year at one point where it kind of got him out of rhythm? Was he, I know like everyone did, but did, did he have something like that? Uh, for Brody? I, don't, I can't remember. I feel like he had a I'm couple. Sure. He was out a couple games. He was in and out of the rotation. It was hard. But well, what do you think about Brody going into his uh, sophomore season? Brody played with a lot of confidence for a freshman. I thought last year. Really looking forward to his development. Really looking forward to seeing um, him on the floor with um, you know with some of our bigger guys like Blake with Shiloh. Uh, his ability to get to ball get the ball to them. Um, and to make his own shot, um, I think that's something that we are really going to need going forward against some of these tougher teams that we're going to be playing in some of these conference um, uh, tournaments. Yeah, I just think I think uh, Brody is probably our best off the ball player. I mean, uh, when you talk about being able to 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 move off the ball, catch and shoot, all that kind of thing, uh, I think Brody is is uh, phenomenal. Uh, I will also say that I think that Collins game, the type of game that we are hearing that he has, uh, will benefit Brody more than anybody else on the team. I mean, um, Darius obviously won't have to carry the load and, and, and penetrate and try to try to create for others as much as he as he did last year. But I believe that Brody will benefit from Colin Porter more than anybody else on the team. And I'm looking for Brody to actually take one of the bigger steps up and. We saw flashes of it last year. I mean, he scored 14 in the first half of a conference tournament game and then didn't play many minutes in the second half. Uh, so I was kind of one of those that was a little confused about his minutes and uh, hoping hoping that if it's if it's a consistency thing, it's a confidence thing, if it's a matchup thing, um, hopefully he gets whatever it is figured out. I could see Brody being a, a real big contributor to to this team. Out of the five guys listed there, um, other than Warfield maybe being a defensive specialist, kind of say out of those five guys on the screen right now, I, I would I would take Brody to to lead the way and uh, and and kind of uh, get the most uh, be the bit largest contributor there. Yeah, it kind of felt like Brody just ran out of season before the conference tournament, and it's kind of in a tough spot where you're you're you know you, you're trying to do everything you can just to win these three games and, and get to the the big dance. So. Uh, John, talk about Warfield. What do you think about uh, uh, Warfield here coming into the season? Well, this is a guy a year ago now. I thought he was pretty much going to end up not having much of a career at Liberty because uh, his freshman season, he was relegated to the end of the bench, and uh, we didn't think that was going to change much when you looked at who was coming back and with Brody and Vin Zane expected to play uh, as true freshmen last year. And, and uh, but but he forced his way into the rotation. He, he made it so McKay had to play him, and just with his energy, his hustle plays, his effort, and uh, th there was a role for him. And I think one of the things we ran into that was a problem is you know he's very similar or, or was very similar last year to Vin Zant and, and their their style of play, and and neither one of them strength is on the offensive floor, so you couldn't really play him at the same time. You kind of could only have one of them out there at a time because. 
you know, it was at times when when one of those two guys was out there, it was like we were playing four and five on the offense end of the floor. And you can only be but so good on defense to make up for that in the floor. So so like much like we talked about with Vinzant, you know, Zay really needs to just take that next step on, on offense. And I think he has it. And he, he showed the ability to, to slash and kind of be a cutter and get into the paint and attack the basket, you know, kind of off the ball, kind of like Chad was talking about with Brody. Um, so we need him to take that next step, but he's an elite defender, uh, highest rated recruit in school history coming in. So, um, and I think he's going to, he enters the season for the first time in his career, expected to get a lot of minutes and expected be, to be a main part of the rotation. And, and he could push to be, a, be a starter. Uh, you know, Chad's talking about that last slide, not, not being the ac- accurate, uh, starting five. It may be because Zay needs to be started over one of the other guys. Yeah, love the energy he brings. Uh, just kind of want him just to be like that Havoc guy that just comes in and just annoys the other team, you know, really disrupts the rhythm, and, and I think he can do that. Blake Preston's my guy. I, I've rode with Blake. Uh, efficiency numbers are through the roof. I think he's going to have some big games this senior year. I kind of – it's kind of interesting because I kind of feel – and Blake could very well be starting against Regent. Richie could go with two bigs. But I almost kind of feel like Blake last year was kind of like, oh, this is my starting role. I'm ahead of Shiloh. And as the season went on, he just got, a, you know, got pushed behind. I think maybe it might almost be a benefit to him where he knows, okay, hey, I'm I'm the I'm the Mayo Baxter Bell to Scotty James. But hey, we know a Mayo Baxter Bell can win you an NCAA tournament game. So I think Blake's gonna have a, a nice year. I think he's gonna have some some big moments. Will anyone else here on the bench that stands out to you? Uh, I think you guys pretty much covered it. Um, spell, you know, up in the air, you know, what's he going to bring to the table? Um, if he is not like a red shirt or something like that, Jackson is a guy that, you know, we thought was gone and he's back and, you know, yeah, I don't know that he's, you know, in his limited playing time really lived up to the potential that maybe we thought he had as a deadly three point shooter. So, you know, hopefully there's something that um, McKay and the staff saw that, you know, really uh, lended for him to, to come back and, and be on this team. John, before we move on, uh, Spell was was uh, one point committed to Cincinnati, right? Uh, yeah. It has some ridiculous uh, video highlights on, uh, on the interwebs. Uh, he redshirted last year, correct? And so he yeah he redshirted he redshirted last year, and, and he was committed to Cincinnati. And they had a coaching change. You probably know more about all that than I do, but uh, they had a coaching change, and he kind of the last minute, you know, flipped over to to Liberty and came in last year and redshirted. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if he gets some playing time. I, I know I'm sure he'll play some opening night against Regent. Um, you know, and Jackson's another guy who could break into this rotation. But again, there's a lot of pieces on that wing. You know, Brody and Isaiah here, and we already talked about you know Darius and Colin and and uh, and Vincent as well, and Kyle also kind of plays on the wing a little bit. But uh, you know, there is a spot for another big to break into the rotation, whether it's Bryson. Um, you know, Ben Sutherland, another true freshman, I'm expecting to red shirt. Um, uh, Zach Cleveland's another guy who could play. Uh, I'm unsure if he's going to break into the rotation or get some minutes at all this year, a red shirt or not. But Cleveland's kind of, you know, they're both six, seven, six, eight type kids. Cleveland's kind of the, the, 
you know, Blake Preston of the bunch, if you will. He's, he's a back-to-the-basket type player, plays in the paint, where Cleveland is – or Sutherland is more of a, a perimeter player. He's more of like a, a guy that can stretch the floor. And I actually heard back early in the summer he was one of the best uh, three-point shooters on the team. Um, but I'm not sure if, if he's going to – you know, they might – McKay might opt to uh, redshirt him. But we could see a, a Cleveland get in there maybe some and get some run this year as well. So we'll see. Hey, Nick, I got a quick comment here on Jonathan Jackson, and that is last year when we were in games where we were down and we were uh, running the ball up and shooting threes, <clears throat> Jackson would always get subbed in as like a – not always, but there, I remember several games where he would get subbed in as like a three-point specialist like Will commented. Um, if he is that sharp shooter where where McKay wants him on the floor when we need a three-point – I mean – we're not talking like end of game situation. We're talking like six minutes left and we have to start chucking threes. He puts them in there. So if he has that in his game where McKay trusts him more than uh, any other four other guys uh, to, to make threes, uh, if he has that in him, um, you know, if he learns the defense a little bit, I mean, who, who's to say that he, he's not, you know, a, a really big contributor Um you know, because he can shoot the ball. I mean, it, uh, we we heard a couple summers ago that that he was uh, had one of the best summers of any of the players out there in terms of three point percentage. Um, so he can he, he is deadly from the three point line. Can he play defense? Can he contribute any in any other way on offense? I don't know, but uh, you know, it seems like that with the pack line, the longer you're in, longer you're in it, the better you become at it, and. Uh, if it, it, that's the one weapon that that I believe uh, can keeps Jonathan kind of being on that on the edge of of being a real big contributor because he can shoot the three. Yeah, he's only played I think thirty two, if I did my math right, total games so far in his career. So hey, some sometimes these guys are just you know late bloomers, like you said. Backline's a tough system. Uh, there's a reason he's still here, and. Uh, I think we've seen the numbers don't say he's been an average shooter, but he hasn't had a ton of attempts. So clearly there's, there's something they see with his three point ability. Uh, my last point on the bench before we move on, I'd be interested to see if spell can, can kind of sneak his way in, man, that could be a really, really tough uh, team to defend with. I think spell six, seven, if, if him and Shiloh were on the floor together, both being able to shoot the three ball, uh, an A-Sun play, that could be uh, uh, maybe a potential nightmare match uh, matchup for uh, for some of the, you know, especially some of the, the, the weaker A-Sun teams. Uh, before we move on to the, the schedule and the rest of the A-Sun, we, we got a really good comment here that I think is something we should we should talk about real quick from Steven, uh, talking basically, you know, about, you know, the team not having enough offense um, outside of McGee. I, I would say... If you look at the numbers, Liberty was an elite shooting team. This is not just McGee. They had elite shooters last year. Uh, the problem was is they just they, they turned the ball over too much. Um, and I think, man, you clean that up, this team can be one of the elite offenses that we've seen. Let's start, Chad. What's your thoughts on on maybe the the uh, the leap here that that Liberty could take overall is, you know, getting back to one of the elite overall offenses, not just an elite shooting team. Uh, You nailed it. Turnovers, clean those up and keep uh, all the deadly three point shooters. And uh, you know, Colin Porter's the man for that, I believe. So uh, you you add him in there and uh, you know, Darius was, was one of the main uh, 
contributors to that turnover number. He'd get in the paint, get in the air, and have a lot of deflected passes. I mean, he had a lot of deflected passes. You you get Colin Porter in there, and, and that is his role. He doesn't have to score 40 and make plays. Um, you let Colin take over that portion of his game, and I believe that we can uh, clean that up and be in a, a real elite offense. Yeah, I do think there were times last year, to Steven's point, that um, – you know, it felt like outside of Darius, there was nobody else we could rely on to to kind of create their own shot. And, and you know, if Darius was in foul trouble or or on the bench for a couple minute uh, blow, then then we were kind of stuck. But Colin can be that guy. Brody can be that guy. We need both of those guys to kind of step up and and kind of take that next. Uh, well, Colin wasn't here last year, so he can't take the next step. He needs to take the first step, right? But, but Brody can, right? I mean, I think it, a lot of it with him was just it's just confidence. And then, um, you know, Kyle Rode and Shiloh uh, Robinson—they're both guys that that can, uh, uh, you know, they can score twenty points. Uh, they're not necessarily shot creators, um, but but they can be uh, offensive weapons to to kind of complement Darius. But I think we have enough that can complement him. We don't. Like you kind of said earlier, Nick, you don't need that one guy that's going to score 12 a night. You can have four different guys, and as long as you have one that steps up each night, you'll be okay. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at our games we played last year, I mean, with the exception of probably like LSU and Manhattan, we didn't really get blown out in any games. Um I think our defense is so good that we don't – I mean, we are a great offensive team, and just like you said, clean up some of those little things. But our defense is so good that um, the offense that we have can beat anybody. So, um, you know, I know last year before we went into the tournament, we had some of those overtime games, and we had some high-scoring games that, you know, the defense just didn't really make it any easier for the offense to – overcome the deficits that we had yeah and it was almost like a tale of like three different seasons liberty was pretty bad the first month of the season and then in december and january and into february liberty was really good numbers would back that up i think if you watch them they, they played really well and then they just played bad at the end so it, it may just be more of just a consistency thing there was a lot of young guys uh got off to slow starts you know, tough finishes. Some of it just, I think, consistency. All right, let's uh, move on. Look at the schedule here this season. Uh, Will, what are this is the non-conference? What what are what games are you looking most forward to? And uh, uh, what kind of uh, how many losses do you think that that Liberty takes? Uh, I'm not being facetious here, but I am looking forward to. Regent and Mid-Atlantic Christian and Clark Summit, just because I want to see some of these guys play um, while they have a chance. Um, because you, as we know, as we get into conference schedule, that rotation gets a little bit tighter and some of those minutes go away. Um, so I am looking forward to just kind of seeing, you know, who is, who's going to do what, who's going to step up. Um, you know, the only real loss I think that would almost be a certainty as Alabama. And, you know, I don't think anything is a certainty with this Liberty team, with the offense that we have and the defense that we have. So um, I think that's definitely the toughest game on the schedule. Kudos to finding all these logos of these teams I've never even heard yeah. of. 
internet's a beautiful place sometimes. Um, <laughs> so you're saying you're saying one loss in conference play or not? No, conference- uh, no, no, no. I'm just saying Alabama's tough. Auburn's going to be tough. Uh, Northwestern's going to be tough. Um, uh, I'm I'm going four losses. Okay. I think there's going to be one that we probably shouldn't lose, but we're going to lose. All right, and I'm going to clip uh, clip together that I'm looking forward to Regent, Mid-Atlantic, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Clark Summit. And, and I complain about that just like everybody else does. Um, but the more I thought about that, I'm more thought like, well, this is your opportunity to see some of these guys get some real minutes. So, Chad, what uh, what game are you looking most forward to? Uh, or maybe a sneaky game or whatever you want to comment on the schedule and uh, how many losses you uh, you taken? I don't know about number of losses yet, but there's one game that stands out uh, that's easily and John's probably John's probably like don't say it because that's what he's gonna say and 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 I can just tell that. But Oral Roberts is the game that like man, if we can get them <laughs> to come, if we can get them to come to Lynchburg out of this and kind of form that relationship, uh, faith based school. Uh, you can see there their Ken Palm rank is 120. We have a 51 percent chance to win that game. Uh, so it's a toss up, uh, great game, a great game, great add to the schedule. Um, not only because they're Ken Palms 120 and it's a toss up game, they have a really good atmosphere out there to play games in. And I think if we go out there and, uh, you know, even if we lose, win, whatever, I think there's a good chance that, uh, we can, we can get that return game and having them on the home schedule would be even better, but. Uh, Oral Roberts easily is the uh, game that I'm looking forward to most out of out out of conference. Uh, the one that surprises me on here is Southern Miss. Uh, we're 96 percent chance to win that game. That's really, really high. I think Southern Miss, they're not great at basketball, but uh, that's one of our best home games, to be honest, and uh, home non-conference games. So I was kind of hoping that that wouldn't be a blowout. I was hoping for like a, you know, a 20 point win, not a 30, 40 point win, but that stat looks like uh, looks like what might be a blowout. So that's the two that's the two games I'm looking at. As far as out of conference, I have no idea what we're gonna. I mean, honestly, I am with Will. One 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 thing I do know is there's gonna be a game that we are a heavy underdog that we're gonna win by one or two. There's gonna be a, d- a game where we're a heavy favorite and we just can't hit anything and we're gonna lose that game. So that that's kind of my prediction for out of conference. And another prediction out of conference is McKay changes the starting lineup. Uh, pretty consistently and uh, we see about 10 11 guys getting play during the conf- during non-conference and then by the time conference um, tournament comes ra- or conference play comes around we only have eight guys playing and uh, and we have a starting lineup that we can kind of count on for most nights southern miss last year was one in 17 in conference usa 341st in ken palm yeah, that's well, the, I guess I guess the mark. I, was... I mean, the, the, uh, you're not wrong though. That's probably the marquee game. I mean, they're the only <laughs> one that's in a, in yeah. a mediocre conference. Everyone else is in one of the two or three worst conferences in in, in college basketball. Yeah, well, that... and a long and a long shot. Um, Chad, you talk about Oral Roberts possibly coming here. We hope our good friend Gonzo at Alabama remembers us and uh, puts in a good word for a, a return match on Alabama. Yeah, Gonzo man. and Henry Barrera, they're both there. Yeah, yeah, true that. Yeah. I was going to say about revenge game. Southern Miss, we played in football, and that was supposed to be a toss-up down there, and it's Hugh Freeze's alma mater. I don't know why. I just 
when I saw that game on the schedule, I was kind of excited. It was a home game, and now I'm seeing this 96% chance, and then hearing you just kind of talk about how terrible they are, I'm not really excited about it anymore. So, Well, the two marquee home games for non-conference are – Southern Miss and North Carolina Central. So um, go ahead and don't look at the Ken Palm percentage chances of wins or the, their Ken Palm rating. Those are the two big games in at, at home in the non-conference. So, I mean, that's all you have to look forward to. But, but yeah, I mean, Oral Roberts is the obvious game, uh, I think. Uh, that should be a really good test for us as we get into December and on the road in a hostile environment, I'm expecting, and a game that they're already kind of billing. Um, you know, so that'd be a good test for us, a, a similar type team to what we'll see in the A-Sun. Probably they'd probably be the, the, the number two team in the conference if they were. Uh, so that'd be a good test for us. And then obviously Alabama, we'll all be looking forward to that one. That's a, a big, big test. And and then the two games in, in Cancun, right? I mean, Northwestern and then either Auburn or Bradley. Uh, the Northwestern game, as you see there, it's a you know. 45% chance of win. So basically a, a toss up and, but what a huge opportunity to be able to, to play on. I think it's on CBS sports network to, to go up against a big 10 team and, and try to pick up a win there. And if you do, you're probably going to play an Auburn team, which is going to be, you know, probably a top four or five seed in the NCAA tournament if, the, if they have the season they're expected to. So uh, it could be a really good, uh, good trip out there, but uh, yeah. And then Bryant, we, ha- I don't think we mentioned that game. That should be another, you know, it's a neutral site game and, and uh, they're a mid, I think they made the NCAA tournament last year, if I'm correct, and uh, supposed to to contend in their conference once again this year. So that'll be another another good challenge for us. Yeah, I'm with you guys on uh, uh, on Oral Roberts. Uh, I think that's going to be a really really fun fun game. Hopefully, we can get it televised. Uh, I think they they televise it through their website. So uh, we'll we'll see when that game gets closer how we're going to figure out how to watch that. And I do want to go ahead and give a heads up that Southern Miss game is the Friday before Virginia Tech. And uh, so, you know, if you're coming in for that weekend, go ahead and and make it a nice long weekend. And then there's also the next Saturday. I'm trying to see, is it Maryland Eastern Shore? I think is the same date as the New Mexico State game. That game will not be on TV. So just uh, be, be prepared for that. I think that's the one home game this year that won't be on TV because uh, the LFSN guys will be down, or people, guys and gals, will be down doing the uh, the football game and won't make it over in time for the basketball game. So we have that every couple of years. So that that's the one this year. Go ahead and kick and scream now. <laughs> uh, Chad, you're going to go with uh, a phone up, and I'll do play-by-play from, from Cleveland, Ohio. And that will still be better than Flow Sports. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is true. <laughs> Let's go. Uh Real quick, uh, John, I listened to the presser today. You guys do awesome work getting those up uh, right away. Really fun presser from from McKay. I thought he was very uh, engaging. Uh, wasn't, you know, I didn't feel like they were all cookie-cutter answers. Talked about the schedule, um, about the, uh, the, the challenges, and I've been looking through a lot of, you know, other mid-major schedules, and I, you want to just be, like, schedule harder, but then – I don't, maybe it is that hard. I don't know. What did you take away from that? Yeah. I mean, that it's kind of been the same song and dance for the last few years. As far as that's gone is, you know, McKay says that they try to get just about any P five game they can. And everybody tells them, no, um, Alabama, you know, we were supposed to play Missouri. We were supposed to have a return trip to Missouri this year after 
they came here and we waxed them at Liberty Arena, but uh, they didn't want us to even come there, much less, uh, you know, uh, come here. So, yeah, they, they asked out of that game and, and we kind of got Alabama instead. But it would have been nice to have another SEC team on here. But unfortunately, that's just the way it is. It's just, um, you know, you feel like there, there should be some way that you could get some other mid-major teams, you know, VCU, ODU, George Mason, Richmond, uh, UNC Greensboro, UNC Wilmington. I mean, we, we can name 50 of them that are within four hour drive of Lynchburg. And, and uh, you know, you seem like you, you should be able to get some home and homes with them. But I, I do know, I mean, there was a couple uh, schools that, that Coach McKay kind of told me off the record back in the summer that uh, they had uh, verbally agreed to home and homes in some what would be attractive mid-major games. And, and for whatever reasons, the other teams backed out on those last minutes. So, uh, that's just the way it is. We we had a home and home. You may remember a couple years ago with Radford. They came in here. Uh, I think it was the first game of the year at the Vine Center, and and uh, we were supposed to go back the next year, and COVID kind of messed it up. And, but anyways, they asked us not to even play that game. So uh, it's just, it's just a tough spot right now. And and also part of uh, McKay's comments in that press conference, which uh, if you haven't listened to it, it's on our YouTube channel. You can go listen to it uh, in its entirety. But uh, he, he was saying that he's a big proponent, which I know we probably don't have time to get into it, but he was a big proponent of expanding the NCAA tournament because of the lack of, of quality games that mid-majors are able to, to schedule now. And they just basically he said there's zero room for error. Basically, literally, we would have to go undefeated to even have a chance to, um, to get an at-large bid if they were to slip up in the, in the conference tournament. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I thought that was really fascinating. Yeah, definitely. Please go listen to that on the uh, Sea of Red YouTube page. Really, really good interview. One of the best, one of the better interviews I think that that Richie's done uh, that I've listened to. Last thoughts on this: I don't think the schedule is that terrible when you kind of look at it. The home schedule stinks. Like that, that's the part that I think is rough and it, it's tough because Liberty has to win most of these games by 20 points to their computer numbers tank at home. Uh, that's it's tough to you know beat the crap out of teams every night but yeah well we'll see so all right uh last let's talk about the the uh the conference uh i'll be honest i do the best i can to try to learn everything that's going on around the conference but it is so hard to keep track of college basketball teams at this level uh stetson uh went to overtime tonight with a d2 school so their 313 ranking might be generous uh in ken palm uh John, I'm assuming you're probably the the most first here. Maybe who are some teams that you're kind of hearing about? I'm, I know everyone's talking about Queens. They, they definitely seem like a sneaky team. Any thoughts on them or, or anyone else that you think might be uh, uh, do a tough competition for Liberty? Who is, we should point out, Liberty is by far the best team in this league, and it's not close. And these aren't weird rankings. They're heads and shoulders above everyone else. Doesn't mean it'll work that way, but they're by far the best team. Well, I'll throw in a shameless plug here. You got uh, A-Sun preseason power rankings coming out later this week. So so look ahead to, to those. Uh, but, yeah, Queens is not your standard D2 transitioning team up to D1. They're going to come in. They're going to win some win some games. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I was shocked to see their Ken Palm number. I mean, for a D2 team to come in and be number 227, I mean, they're, they're ranked ahead of, what, 120-some-odd uh, division one teams. That's, that's pretty impressive. So, th- so they're going to be a, a solid team. 
Um, one thing, Jacksonville has got a good team. They they made it to the ASUN tournament championship game last year. They lost to Bellarmine. They were right on our heels in the East Division all of last season. And they didn't lose at home. They went undefeated at home. And they returned basically everybody from last year's team. And that was under first-year head coach Jordan Mincing. They had several key transfers last year. So um, be leery of the, of the Dolphins. They, they've got a good team. Um, that'll be a tough game. Lipscomb, I don't know why anybody has any love for Lipscomb. Look, Asana Sajil is a great player, but I do not trust them to, to do anything of note during the conference season. They just have been, com- you know, complete uh, underachievers during his career since since his freshman year when they had all those other studs with uh, Casey Alexander. And But since he's gone, they, they just are a middle-of-the-pack A-Sun team. So, Despite them being third here, and I think they were preseason fourth or fifth in the league, I don't expect them to to um, to do much. But but Jacksonville's a very good squad, and I can sit here and talk about everyone, but I'll shut up and let you guys talk. So, no, no, I appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll try to watch as many games here on on the old ESPN Plus here the first couple weeks and try to get a feel. Yeah, kind of as we we go along. Uh, Central Arkansas, man, I just that does not feel like the worst team in this conference. You know, I, they. They played. They played tough at the end of the year. Uh, I kind of like what they were doing, so I look for them. Maybe I mean they're not going to win the conference, but uh, I think Bellerman's overrated on there. Uh, I think they lost a lot. I I think they're going to have a rough year uh, this year. Will any thoughts on the uh, the competition here? Yeah, I mean Jack State got the you know the bid last year, um, and they have. You know, they had a lot of, um, you know, transfers from uh, other programs. And I don't – honestly, I don't know what their team looks like this year. Um, Kennesaw, you know, just overall, Kennesaw seems like a program that's rising. So uh, – and then, you know, they'll be going to CUSA with us as well. But um, I just – you look at the field here, you look at the numbers, you like Liberty's chances to – to start something back. And I'm also looking forward to seeing how Liberty plays without that expectation of, uh, I mean, we all have this expectation that they're going to win, but you know, that team last year was also playing off of a standard that had been set by the previous three teams. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they play um, to, to create a new standard. Chad, what's your your thoughts on the the A Sun Conference 2022-2023? Uh 82, and then the next closest is 172. I don't know if there's been a bigger disparity between one team uh in any of the leagues we've ever played in with Ken Palm. Uh maybe there has. Uh again, Central Arkansas, not sure they're the worst team in the league. I agree with that. Other than that, I'm I'm looking forward to John's uh, power rankings. I mean, nobody really keeps up with it like that, and uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that's different from Ken Palm. Um, the one thing that I'll say is that did any of you guys watch the uh, ASUN conference preview? It was basically just all the head yeah. coaches talking about their team. The one that impressed me the most was uh, that I thought could win some games was uh well to fgcu new coach and you never know what a new coach is going to do especially at a place like fgcu where you can get talent and have talent um 
And then second is Jacksonville State. For whatever reason, you know, they didn't lose a lot. They have um, they have one of the best, you know, uh, backcourts. I don't know. Those two kind of – FGCU being at 10 with their new coach, like, you know, the new coach could, could be terrible and, or the new coach could come in and bring a whole new – like, imagine uh, where Liberty was when Richie McKay came back and brought the pack line, we probably weren't looking too great in the conference standings and then ended up, you know, doing really well with a lot of freshmen. So I'm leery of FGCU being 10, uh, Kark being uh, 14, and JSU being five. But uh, other than that, the main thing that stands out is how how big of a front runner we are and uh, looking forward to John's power rankings to kind of see how they line up with uh, Oken Palm here. I thought the uh, speaking of that special, I thought the Queens coach did a really good job on that. I mean, he had the preseason rankings up on the wall behind him as bulletin board material. I mean, he seemed very authentic. Um, I still like the fact that we have the best coach in the whole conference. Um, so I, I was surprised uh, FGCU uh, fired uh, Fly. They finished what third or fourth this year? I mean, that was so. I mean, in in some ways, credit to FGCU for having a high standard for their program. You know, some of these some of these colleges at at the A Sun level or similar conferences, you know, they they don't hold their teams to that high a standard. So, you know, I guess in a way, uh, good to them. Or it was or it was locker room stuff. You never know, really. Yeah, with, that, with, like. Whenever somebody finishes third or fourth in a conference and their coach gets fired, I, I don't immediately think high standards. I immediately think what the heck was going on in the locker room or with with uh, violations or whatnot. So that was kind of my thought. Yeah, it, I'm kind of looking this up right now, riveting uh, content here. But Jacksonville State lost a ton of dudes, right, John? I, yeah, yeah, they don't have much of anybody coming back. Uh, a lot of new pieces. Um, so I just so, said they returned everybody. So that's, that shows you how much, how prepared <laughs> I am for this. Yeah. Jack state doesn't, doesn't return much. So I, I don't know. They, they could compete at the top of the league or they could be a, a middle to bottom half of the team. We, we just don't know much about them. I do think I agree with Chad about FGCU, uh, FGCU and North Florida, both, I think are teams that that'll be towards the top half of the standings. And if we're talking about teams that are at the bottom that like, we don't think will be up near the top. Then I'm going to go ahead and throw out a team that's up or near the top half of the league that I don't think is going to finish anywhere close to there, and that's y'all's uh, y'all's darling Queens. Yes, their coach sounded good. Yes, uh, you know they are they're coming in hot, but it's a huge transition. It's a huge transition, and I think that they're going to come in and uh, the league is going to kind of uh, baptize them into into D1, and I'd be surprised if they finished into the top eight. So if we're talking about all these teams who are going to be surprises and play better than where we thought, there's a couple up there near the top that we have to say they stink, and John did with uh, Lipscomb. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and sell short uh, Queens. Chad's going to end up on their billboard. Yeah, let's write that one down. <laughs> <laughs> Chad doesn't think they got the Bellarmine magic. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville State, they their top three usage players last year are all gone. So, I mean, there's why they, they've fallen. Um, I mean, they have a, a great coach. Uh, they do still have, a, I believe they have Jalen Gibbs back, who played really, really well for them at times. 
Uh, so they're definitely a threat. Don't don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, towards the top, uh, I don't know if they're going to finish in the top two or three this year. That way, they do. That's a, a heck of a job this year by them. So I'm excited. I kind of look at this team. I, I kind of see maybe the disparity of where Liberty is in the rest of the conference may be similar to. Uh, 2019 2020 team not necessarily saying that this team is anywhere close to 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 that team that that should have been a 12 seed in the ncaa tournament that didn't happen but uh i, I wouldn't be shocked if, if liberty runs through conference play has maybe one bad weekend a bad thursday and a saturday and, and that's the only games they lose all year that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me at all uh as we've kind of seen the last couple of years the losses typically come when we don't expect them uh, so yeah, stay tuned on that. Uh, fellas, any final thoughts before I hand uh, the uh, the rock back to Mr. Hassan? I think we covered it. It's past my bedtime. Yeah, I would just say Gonzaga the East. You never know. You, you We're Gonzaga the East. We're building. And uh, is that year, is this year the year that we kind of, you know, Look at how Gonzaga built. They and and if that's our model, uh, I think we're headed there. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm excited. I think we can accomplish much more than what we might even uh, be given our own team credit for. And Ken Palm kind of uh, helped helped me uh, realize that a little bit tonight. But just looking at that roster, it, it is lively with potential. Listen, I'm, your your talk that your your space that you hosted the other night, Chad and Scott Jackson got on and talked about just kind of the momentum on the mountain. I mean, man, I'm feeling that uh, full screen, a big full win, screen. a big win over BYU, um, a, a big win over Arkansas, and a big win over Breach. Virginia Tech at home. Breach. We are uh, building that momentum into basketball season, into a Sweet 16 run then going into uh, baseball season, getting to the College World Series, and it's going to be one of the uh, the greatest years in the golden age of Liberty Athletics. Wow, and your wow. microphone even looks like a pastor's microphone, and I, I felt that <laughs> there for a minute. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, man. I am with you. I, I drank all that Kool-Aid Scott Jackson was handing out the other night, and uh, for those of you who weren't listening, basically said, hey, it's special on the mountain, and we're just scratching the surface. Like, we all know that we have something here, and we're just scratching the surface. That's why none of them are leaving. That's basically what the baseball coach just said. Um, so, sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Fifth-year senior Darius McGee. We've never seen this before. This is uncharted territory. No one's had this much experience. No one has won like Darius McGee has won. Jump yeah. on his back, fellas. Let's, Let's go. go. Let's go. I'm down, and you know what? What a comment that McKay made today was that it's his pursuit of making his own game better. We all, I pointed out a flaw of his today on this show. Uh, somebody else on here said we played too much Darius Hero Ball. There are several flaws that we are calling out on Darius here, but man, if he's willing to, like, if he is as humble and willing to work on those few minor things and can still throw in 40 a night, uh, we're in for a special ride this season. I'm excited. I'm not going to predict a conference tournament championship or anything like that because any, anything can happen on any given night, especially in March. But I will say this, Darius McGee did not come back to Liberty for a fifth season to lose. He came back to win. There you go. Breach. All right, we got any offering plates? Venmo's? <laughs> pass it like around. That? Dig deep. Dig deep. <laughs> yeah, let's Make go. some more NIL. 
Hey, uh, Nick, I really don't have anything to close it out. I just want to say, uh, looking forward to having you guys host every, every week. Um, the basketball is, is a lot of fun to consume. So I appreciate you guys stepping up doing that. Um, thank you for producing all your football, making this, uh, really fun. John, uh, as always, man, thanks for the insight. And I did notice that Nick went to John like way more than me and Will. And, and I get that. I understand that. Uh, he did, he is writing all these articles, uh, so, uh, anyways, a lot of fun and we'll do it again here soon. Um, with that, we'll, we'll close it out. Yeah. Really looking forward to doing this. Thanks for, uh, bringing us along our silly little podcast and, uh, hopefully we do it justice. Go flames.